what's your name? Say it. It doesn't matter what your name is. Say my name. What's your name? What? What is your name? Tony. You're listening to Don't Call Us Anthony Podcast. All guest views and opinions are their own. But don't worry, the hosts will share theirs so you can call them opinionated. But just don't call them Anthony. And now, the hosts of Don't Call Us Anthony, Cooley and Tony. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Don't Call Us Anthony. This week, Cooley and I are super excited to bring to you an interview with the one, the only, Keith Coogan. We have been fans of this guy since the 80s and the 90s, and he continues to work today. You would probably know him from such films as Adventures in Babysitting, where he played Brad. Boy, this is a really cool coat. I mean... No way this is from Sears or anything like that. This is way too cool. It was my grandpa's. He's got great taste. He's dead. As well as Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, where he played Kenny, the stoner brother, which is actually a personal favorite of mine. Oh, out of the oh, ah! This is done, man. It was just super awesome to talk to him. He gave us a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And we also touch upon his grandfather, Jackie Coogan, who was the original Oliver Twist and was in a film called The Kid with Charlie Chaplin, and then went on to play Uncle Fester in The Addams Family, as well as a ton of other different roles throughout his career. So stick around. I know you'll enjoy this interview as much as we did with the man, the myth, the legend, Keith Coogan. I tell you, we do have one rule in this podcast, and that rule is... I go by Tony and Cooley goes by Cooley. So just don't call us Anthony and we should be good. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. If you, if you call us Anthony, we'll call you out on it. Or we might tell you to take a drink of that, of that Coke again. So. <laughs> all right. so that's, that's so cute. You think I remember names, uh, <laughs> Anthony rap on adventures of babysitting. I thought it'd be cute. I'm like, Hey, Tony. And he goes, I don't. No, I don't like that. <laughs> it's Anthony. So he is Anthony. He is Anthony, yeah. I'm only Anthony when I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, or if I it's love, like, what was it? Like, it How High? Or it was the one with John Lovitz. And he's like, all right, and An- is it my reading? There's right. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony. Anthony. No, it's Anthony. <laughs> oh, God. I've gotten, I've gotten every single, I've got like what? Like, An- yeah, Anthony. Like, oh, they just go down the list, man. I'm, I'm all set with that. <laughs> so, but, um, Oh man, yeah. So so excited to have you on. Um, so I was uh, I was looking up some stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, when we had kind of chatted via email, um, and I found out some things I didn't know that your uh, actually, if we go back, your grandfather was in the original Oliver Twist, which I did not know that. That's like the yeah. 1922 film. Like I did not know that. That is insane. Yeah. So huge so, with Lon Chaney. Yeah. Yeah, congrats. Uh, that, was a, congrats. that was a really cool picture. That's right. Thank you. Not a lot of people bring up Oliver Twist. Yeah, I mean, Oliver Twist is a classic. And then he was in a Charlie Chaplin film in uh, The Kid, too. Like, that's uh, amazing. So yeah. so just uh, congrats to your grandfather. I think that's amazing. That um... Now, is that the reason why you, you got into film as a kid? Was it because of your grandfather's experience or... Was it just from kind of watching TV and being like, man, I want to be in the movies? Yeah, it's just watching TV. 
because yeah. my mom wasn't talking to my grandfather and I really didn't know <laughs> that they were involved in the business. So right. my great grandfather had left the family and went to Broadway and joined vaudeville and went up in Hollywood, did some two real shorts with like Fatty Arbuckle and Buster Keaton. And so it was kind of in the community. And my grandfather, uh, Jackie, had done uh, Skinner's Baby in about a year and a half. Um, titular character. So uh, he was part of the vaudeville troupe. And, you know, there was a night when he was about four years old when Chaplin discovered him and then did the kid. And in the middle of shooting the kid, he had a contract due for a two-reel short. Uh, and so he quickly made A Day's Pleasure, which it came out before the kid, but it was shot in the middle of the kid yeah, um, to, to fulfill a contract. And then the kid came out and it was a global, you know, it was an international success. That's awesome. Um, and my grandfather, my great grandfather, uh, formed Jackie Coogan Productions, and they did a series of uh, circus days: Peck's Bad Boys, Daddy, My Boy, Old Clothes, um, the same kind of you know older uh, a, a gentleman and a cute little kid orphan, and um, so basically copies of that. Mm-hmm. And then he was heavily merchandised. And uh, they did a movie when he got his hair cut from the little page boy banks. Um, and uh, Johnny, get your hair cut. And they did a movie on that. And he said that he got the flu once and it pushed the president off the front page of the New York Times. <laughs> and he'd say, uh, uh, now, as I did start acting and my mom moved back down to L.A. and reconnected with my uh, grandparents and uh she wanted to um, kind of keep me separate from the Coogan thing. And so I acted under Keith Mitchell for 10 years, did a bunch of commercials and TV shows and stuff. And uh, it was, um, uh, that's when it was like the family biz. And I learned that I had to pay my dues and start at the ground up and, you know, clean toilets and scrub floors with your toothbrush. You gotta, you gotta do commercials and you gotta do right, you know, right. silly guest appearances. Right. And, and uh, <laughs> Thankfully, the trash TV in the 70s and 80s was exactly the TV I like to watch. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Island, Love Boat, Eight is Enough, Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, Chips. Oh, Fanny, Mork and Mindy, Knight too. Rider, Mork and Mindy was Little like classic. It's like yes, everything I used to watch. Dude. I did the last episode of Mork and Mindy. <laughs> oh, no way. I did not know that. That's wow. awesome. Oh, man. To have that on your resume is so cool, man. That's awesome. Dude, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I'm like, man, that's all the stuff I used to watch. But then like now that I'm thinking about it, that's like all the stuff that was on TV. <laughs> really, like TV yeah. wasn't like it is now, like where you could watch like a million different things. There's like too much to watch to actually watch. Like back then you had like very slim pickings, but I mean, those shows were like, man, those were like key to my childhood. They're great. Sure. You needed a car and you needed some sort of occupation like process server, PI, stuntman. I don't know. Um, they were all <laughs> fun. I remember shows like 10 Speed and Brown Shoe and um, uh, Saturday Morning even did live action adventure or Danger Island, I think it was called. Kids running around an island. They were like six minute episodes. Um, so anyway, I was, I was about five when I wanted to be on TV and, uh, nice. uh, uh, jumped right in. I, I was just, uh, posting, uh, Digim Smacks commercial I'd done probably, I don't know, nine or 10 years old. Yeah. I got to work with Digim. I got to work with, uh, Snap, Crackle and Pop. And, oh, that's uh, cool. 
Oh man, the Kool-Aid, the the Kool-Aid guy, <laughs> Mr. Whipple. <laughs> oh, man. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Oh, you're uh, taking me back, man. I love it. This is the best. Um, so how did you get into, um, I mean, obviously like the first thing that I ever saw you in as a kid was adventures in babysitting. How did you get, how did that film come about? Like, what was that whole process? It was, you know, after having auditioned for films since 1977 or 78. So I'd got up for, uh, Goonies and Gremlins and, uh, Stand By Me and The Toy and, uh, Christmas story and uh, I didn't get them. And I, you know, Lucas, Dream Little Dream. Um, wow. License to Drive. Uh, and I finally got Adventure the Babysitting. And that was a long couple of callbacks, screen tests, mm-hmm. uh, rehearsals. And uh, you don't have the job until your second paycheck clears. Remember on the Waltons, they fired John Boy. Yeah. That's his freaking wow. show and replaced mm-hmm. him with an actor that had the mole and everything. Yeah. They will, you know, so I learned quickly. It's, I started working for producers a couple of times and I noticed, I look back on my resume and I'm like, Oh, I work for someone such, you know, a couple of times that basically a kid who could remember his lines and not uh, waste time on a set. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I had a nickname one take Mitchell. It's my, uh, you know, screen name was my birth name, Keith Mitchell. <laughs> And uh, so when I did Adventures of Babysitting, it was around time uh, I did Silver Spoons and Growing Pains, and I changed my name to Coogan at that time. So I was able to, and I had casting directors, they were saying the reason I didn't get these other features is I was too TV. And I get it. You're playing on a box that's this big rather than mm-hmm. a huge screen that's 10 times started in life. So you're, you know, my, I learned from my grandfather a bunch of vaudeville shtick. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's, it's definitely more comical. Um, and I uh, kind of sunk my teeth into being a character actor. I'm a nerd, but I, you know, but you know what? I think that's that that has obviously worked for you so well. I mean, the, the characters that you've created are are super memorable. Like mm-hmm. they're they're Thanks. and they're unbelievably quotable. Um, like they're <laughs> that's like, not me, but that's the writers, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but no, but there's a, but it's all about the way that you perform it. They, yeah, the delivery is everything. <laughs> the delivery is it, man. I mean, I got a lot of best friend, boyfriend, cousin, brother, you know, second lead parts where I had a lot of exposition, yeah, a lot of just support, you know, yeah, um, <laughs> for the main character's journey, and uh, I, I was happy with that and so the key was you make a story point a character point yeah is that what you know i it always came back to character it always came back to to to, to being character and to, the story takes care of itself they're yeah. pounding the audience over the head with you know all the setups and, and plot points and stuff so you know it's funny um, too because you you mentioned like the, the 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 characters and things like it's like my so my daughter is going to be four soon right and the other day we put on adventures and babysitting and I was kind of watching it and she, you know, and she, she loves the beginning, you know, where Elizabeth, she was dancing and she, she copies it. And then, um, but then there are lines that like, I never expected her to remember. And there was something really odd happened. This is kind of a funny story. So there's the scene where, you know, um, you know, Anthony Rapp, he comes to the, he's trying to like, he's trying to get a, a yeah. glimpse of Chris and you know, you're you got this humongous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you're sh- shutting the curtains and she brings up something about college and you go, you're going to college. And, 
my and the other day my daughter like somebody said something about college she goes you're going to college and i go <laughs> i was like out of all the lines you could have remembered it was that one and i started i just like dying laughing i'm like you know so you think about being quotable it's all about the delivery you know so it really is i mean the fact that she picked uh, up on that and, he, and said it with the same inflection was hilarious to me so that's great that's yeah. great yeah well we've had problems with people you know remembering the movie and i'll be doing a screening you know t these days and they'll bring their kids they'll get their you know their eight-year-old their four-year-old whatever and they're watching the movie and they're watching, and then you know the subway scene comes on and don't with the babysitter mm. and some of them remember and they're like just before that scene they go we're gonna go in the lobby real quick maybe mm. go to the bathroom just so they miss it and right, of right. course after the screening you'll see kids running around it's it. <laughs> yeah. great. There's a lot of bad language, and Chris Columbus said that was the only um that was the danger. Mm. There's no um nobody gets shot, there's a gun. I get stabbed, but it's not really a stabbing. Right. Um there's nobody gets killed. Well, they can get killed. What are you gonna do? Run them over, get the car. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. The bad guy is so great. Um so the it's all at night. It's a it's a noir, you know. I then it was yeah. modeled after after hours a bit. It's Ferris Bueller's after hours, uh kind of all smushed together. Yeah, and, yeah, for um, sure. The language was the one part that was slightly dangerous. And if the parents dropped their kids off and didn't really check the movie and they went and saw inner space in the theater next door mm -hmm. then um the kids could have a little secret it's like oh i think we heard words we're not supposed to hear <laughs> so i'm disappointed they scrub it on disney plus i understand but um i would like uh you know disney to have another option for people to watch the original yeah i, I noticed that when i watched the disney plus version and then i was like nah, I, i'm gonna watch the original <laughs> so because yeah. that's the one i prefer <laughs> uh it has some lines in there that just are you know they're just they're still funny because they're funny um <laughs> but uh but yeah no so i mean that was a that was a big uh film for me um a little secret i actually so the scene where you guys go to that that uh that blues bar and you sing you know uh the babysitting blues song I didn't know that the movie was actually called Adventures in Babysitting because when my dad actually like had the VHS, he labeled it Babysitting Blues. <laughs> so for the longest time, I thought that was the name of the film. And then I grew up, I was like, oh, it's Adventures in Babysitting. That's great. You know, so, You're like, they're just yeah. title checking the hell out of this. Wow. Exactly. In other countries, it was called A Night in the Town. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. What what are your thoughts on the uh, what is it is it a series they're making or a remake yeah. of the movie uh, on Disney Plus? They made it. It was the 100th Disney Channel original movie. Oh, it yeah. actually it came out. Yeah, all right. So they actually did it. Oh, um, it's done. It's, that it's shows done. you Sabrina Carpenter and um, it's uh, two babysitters, and they both are babysitting, and they accidentally swap phones, and a night of hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. And they had to make it current, obviously include the cell phones, you know, which mm -hmm. would have would have solved all the problems that you guys ran no, into. No, wouldn't. <laughs> no, you don't think no, so? No, wouldn't. No, wouldn't. No, we get a flat tire, and we get out to fix the flat, and it's okay. I'll call my mom. I'll just get my purse. I forgot my purse. She left her purse at home when she hopped in the car, so she left her phone at home. Thank you very much. 
I'm done with that one. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 I love the it. Toy Soldiers next. I yes, was going to so say, he's it. already thought of, he's already been at, answered these Hell questions yeah. before. Brad doesn't it. get a phone plan. He's got an iPod that like only gets Wi-Fi, so he's screwed. They're trying to find Wi-Fi like Starbucks as they're going through town. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. All right, it's a fair uh, point. Fantastic. So what was it like shooting? Now, you said it was like a noir. Like, you guys shot this mostly at night. So what was it like shooting in Chicago at night, though? I mean, that's a whole different scenario, right? It, it was uh, a little more of a challenge, believe it or not, than shooting in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Toronto, we shot January and February. And then we moved down to Chicago in March for about two weeks. Okay. And it was that wind, man. Ooh, kicks your ass. Yeah. So we were totally there for like St. Patrick's Day. We saw the river go green and all that good stuff. And uh, then we came back to LA for a week for special effects. Gotcha. But yeah, Chicago was great. There was, we had to get the expressway. We had to get the river front walk and the skyline. And, um, you know, there's a couple of landmarks that had to be, had to be grabbed there. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys run into any like obstacles when you were like filming the the movie? Anything that stuck out that was like a really like big roadblock or anything? Wow. Uh, <laughs> it, no, it ran very smooth for you know so many days scheduled, so many shots you need, and uh, rolling thunder. So lots of trucks and a healthy budget provided by Disney. Thank you, Disney and Touchstone Pictures. Um, so there were. Uh, you know, there's always little hitches as you go. Uh, we get to the subway station and there's rappers hanging out watching and they go and ask them, hey, you guys want to be in the movie? And they're all like, well, call our agent. Da, da, da. And they're like, you can stand at the bottom of the thing. You sign this release, you'll be in the movie or not. Whatever you want to do. So they're the rappers. And like when we're running from it, we run oh, up yeah. to the, the L train stairs. Um, that's the real train which you know there's nights where and we're running two cameras on the train sequences three cameras for babysitting blues they had three panavisions the train it was two like a wide shot and a closer shot and a couple of nights we had a night of soft focus so we had to go back a night after filming other stuff and we got there about three o'clock in the morning and the platform was closed so uh the stunt coordinator had a lock pick kit and um Take the platform and we went out and played with the train. So we had a we had the train operator with us. That wasn't the problem. He just he just had the key to yeah. get some of the gear in through it. It was a light crew, six of us. So no what? Big deal. So what? Yeah. Who cares? But it was cool shooting it on a real train. Everything was pretty real except that end building. We never set foot in the uh in the, you know, I call it the um running scared building. Yeah. The end of the Billy Crystal running scared is they come and repel down the inside of that. Yeah, but uh, those are all shot on location, second unit, and uh, background plates. Gotcha. Now, um, I if I I think my my uh, memory serves me correct. That was the second film for Elizabeth Shue because I think she before that she did Karate Kid, or I'm not sure if. Yeah. if but and, yeah, so and what... she'd done Link. She'd also done Link with a Terrence Link. Stamp. That's right. It's a monkey experiment movie, where of course we immediately rented it. It was rated R. <laughs> um and what me and anthony watched it and the monkeys um touches her boobs like she's yeah. having an intimate moment with the monkey and haha and the monkey plus such boobs and so of course when we're like rehearsing me and anthony are standing there and we're like hey you know we did see link or whatever and elizabeth goes that's a double that's a body double <laughs> it's like, okay, gotcha. 
<laughs> just checking. Just checking. But of course, yeah. she's Allie. She's so, you know, Karate Kid is, is a great film. Yeah. Because it's directed by John G. Avildsen, who directed Rocky. He knows sports movie structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it made karate become a thing in the 80s, like almost as much as Pac-Man and headbands and neon and hairspray. Uh, amazing, amazing Im- influence. I think it had. Hey, that's why I started taking karate. It was Karate Kid, man. <laughs> Come on, exactly. a, you know. Um, you know what I've learned in like twenty-two minutes <laughs> is that you're not just a actor. You're not just somebody who like memorizes lines and regurgitates stuff. Like you, you're a student of the game <laughs> like you know you know your shit yeah really, well, i was raised by really carnies. cool like I, I like you don't really hear that much when you when you talk to somebody in the biz or like when you talk to people um like i and i haven't talked to a lot of people uh per se like we've had we've had plenty of like discussions and and stuff like that but um you're definitely coming across as somebody who knows more than the average um yeah i agree oh i yeah no i i don't i <laughs> like I'm history not sure wise what, what avenue that is but um the uh some people come up and look at my autograph table at like a convention and they'll go that show that show oh you were my childhood or this was my childhood mm-hmm. and i go it was mine it was mine too <laughs> um so i remember every you know day day of work and um you know people ask me well was, you know tell a funny story from uh something and, and I, it it's tough too it'll be stories mostly embarrassing ones my mom will remember so those will kind of stick to a project but um uh the uh a job's a job uh my grandfather mm. said always say yes uh you can always back out at the last minute but do it if it's bad you'll learn something you'll meet some people if it's good then great you know goes to the top of the resume um that uh, the funnest thing is making the movie. I mean, the, you know, releasing it is all nail biting, and you know, um, nest the money part is necessary because it's so expensive to make a movie. So you could have a great idea for a movie. You're going to need, you know, some money to make it look pretty good, and um, uh, you might want, you know, SAG actors. Uh, not that every SAG actor is going to bring it, but the ones that have the talent had to go union a long time ago. Um, you know, there's people that plenty of people I've worked with. I can't act. There's t- tons of time. I have no idea what I'm doing out there. Um, that casting, that's the thing is casting. Um, and so if you find a bit of yourself in the character and something of the character, you understand mm-hmm. bring yourself to it. And then also try to learn something about the character. That's not you learn it play the guitar cook uh whatever it is um play practical jokes on your uh i did starman with cd barnes and robert hayes and i was the antagonist and he came into a new town with the starman and he goes to a new high school and amy dolan's is the cute girl and i'm the mean boyfriend on the you know long distance running team long distance running really the television was so bad in the 80s that you had to you know there was like only so many formulas for episodic television and the sports ones, basketball, track, were easy to do. Structured, scripted 
reality television. Um, it just burns time. It's easy. Walton's, we did a goddamn soapbox derby race. That burned, <laughs> you know, at least from a whole, one commercial break to a whole other commercial break. That burned all that time. It was great. No dialogue. Hey. <laughs> um, so I don't even know what I was talking about. Now I go off like a squirrel, ADHD. Um, yeah. No, I think we were just saying that you're yeah. a cinephile, man. <laughs> That's yeah. basically... Oh, totally. Because yeah. it started with... Um, you know, earliest exposure TV, Sesame Street, Electric Company, um, Zoom, Via Allegre, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, and then of course Saturday Night Live. And early is in uh, TV in seventy six, so as early as six or seven. And my parents were hippies. They were ex carnies. They were heads. They were totally. Um, I was raised both like free range and a helicopter parent at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like keep me on the leash but it would be like swung like this and then launch me <laughs> off into bye have fun we're gonna go over here okay and then you know then extreme monitoring when my parents were around so i loved working because i could get like 50 feet from my mom that was great hi mom I'm over here and you're over there That's awesome. um but uh it was um expected that you had to do pay your dues and so how fun to weave through chips you know and uh uh, Night Rider and stuff like that to do it to get there, mm -hmm. and so the and watching movies it was Clockwork Orange, The Sting, Jaws, The Exorcist. Early, young, saw mm -hmm. seen in theaters. My mom was an usher, so she would plot me down very young and watch R-rated movies. That's awesome, and uh, sneak me into the trunk for drive-ins and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I, it you know, nine and ten when. Sean F. Cunningham releases Thirteenth, and you get you know Carpenter releases Halloween, and then a little later you get Freddy, and uh, that was just the perfect, perfect time. Later, I found the Evil Dead and stuff. Looking back, um, I love comedy horror. I got to do more horror because a lot of horror conventions. Yeah, very good horror people are great. Very fetishistic. They buy everything, all the DVDs, the box set, the steel thing, the posters, the doll with the chainsaw, the thing. They buy it all. <laughs> we love that. Well, that's like my buddy. He wanted to buy, uh, I think it was like Jason's uh, machete. And I was like, what are you going to do, man? Are you just going to stand in your backyard with that machete? And he was like, no, I'm going to stand in other people's backyards. <laughs> It's like, all right, man. <laughs> at, least you have a, at least you have a game plan. <laughs> what do you do with that hockey mask in your hand? No, no, don't mind, man. It's like it's cool. It's cool. Don't worry about don't it. Don't mind it's me. Cool. <laughs> this, this is just my thing. Yeah, right. This is my thing. <laughs> just watch the ring camera. Yeah. Just watch it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do somebody post uh, up in real also, time. You know, I, I grew up with cheesy horror, like a uh, trilogy of terror and uh <clears throat> Um, when a stranger calls and telephone Black Sunday, um, they were like drama thrillers stuff. Um, Capricorn One, um, oh, all right, uh, uh, all the presidents, man. Uh, a lot of movies I grew up with said the government was not like Three Days of the Condor and all these movies. They like government don't got your back, yo. Mm. <laughs> a lot of movies, <laughs> yeah. A lot mm. of movies. Um, and then the 80s was just fun. Uh, no, I didn't really never know. Frankenhooker, definitely. Okay, okay. Toxic? <laughs> um, Toxic 80s Avenger. turned into the, the E.T. Which one? Who? Toxic Avenger. Toxic. Yeah, yeah. I love Toxic. I did a, I love uh, 
Kaufman and Troma and uh, I always look for Lloyd in um, other people's movies and crowd <laughs> yeah, scenes. Yeah. He'll pop up and <laughs> right, stuff. Right, right. I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm like, there's yeah. Lloyd Kaufman in the prison. <laughs> <Yeah. scene." laughs> and I did a Corman picture uh, under the boardwalk, a surf movie. Um, and I did a, a Bob Shea picture, the New Line Cinema, the house that Freddie built. I did Book of Love for Bob Shea. And I did Joel Schumacher picture, Chris Columbus, yeah. Bob Giraldi directed Heidi Out. He's the one that set Michael Jackson's hair on fire. I know he didn't do it. He didn't pull the effect, but <laughs> he was directing the Pepsi commercial when the shit happened. So, can I swear on your show, by the way? Oh, yeah. dude, go for it. Let it fly, man. Yeah, go for it. Okay, fo fucking thank God. Um, <laughs> I'm saying the same thing. Uh, Fuck yeah. My, look, my grandmother was a... Uh, showgirl was a dancer my uh, grandfather married four dancers betty grable flowers perry and mccormack and uh my grandmother Debbie, dorothea <laughs> and right. uh so you know between dance for her and you know the acting for my grandfather and he got to move up into talkies and, and tom sawyer was his first talkie when he was 13 and then he did television came along and and he started doing TV, bad westerns, um, bad sci-fi movies. There's one, um, what is it called? Spider Women from Mars or something. There's there's a genius uh, performance by him and just a bad B-movie. He did <laughs> Mamie Van Doren picture, High School Confidential. Um, and then the TV gig with the Adams Family was, uh, you know, uh, he get rebirthed again into that kind of like a list fame that he had when he was five. <laughs> right, 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 right. And no, uh, it came out in twenty one, so he was born in fourteen. So he was seven when the kid was released, but he was five when he started working on it. It took a year and a day to film the the kid with no script. Wow. And he said wow. that they'd go down a week, no ideas, and set builders should play baseball and. Grips or smoking cigars, and Stefan uh, would get an idea. And he'd start getting into makeup, and he'd put his adhesive for his mustache on, and he'd come over to Jackie, and Jackie would smell it. He'd smell the glue for Chaplin's mustache, and my grandfather said, "I knew it was time to get back to work." <laughs> that is one of those stories, and I'm like, okay, that that's incredibly personal, and like brings it right here. No, that's like, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. That's that's a. Really then there's cool, other stories yeah. like he'd be fighting in the war, uh, World War II, Burma, uh, Army Air Corps, total suicide mission, glider pilots flying over Burma, and uh, he's already divorced from Betty Grable, and like two thirds of every pilot has her as a pinup in their cockpit, so he'd be at the latrine and taking a piss, and like someone would go, "Hey, aren't you Jackie Coogan?" Hey, uh, and he. And, he, and he'd turn at them while he's pissing and he'd go, would you like to shake the hand that holds the dick that fucked Betty Grable? <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Wow. Oh, that's the best. So, yeah, they were raunchy. They were pirates. They cursed. They swore. They were, you know, borderline racist. I mean, my grandfather did have, there's a shot of him and Betty Grable online at a, at a costume party and he's, He's in blackface. I'm not gonna lie. No. He also was in I Dream a Genie. He did a two part episode, where the wedding episode where, and he played Uncle Suleiman, Genie's uncle, who is Middle Eastern, and they put him in brownface for that. Mm -hmm. 
not proud of that. But, you know, Short Circuit 2 was made a lot more recently. And they did <laughs> Fisher Stevens bad on that. <laughs> oh, God. No, I it's mean, okay. Look at, uh... It's okay. Are you sure? This is, no, it's okay. Hey, look at, uh, about... what, what is it? Breakfast at Tiffany's, Mickey Rooney? Like, oh, my God, that's brutal. Like, oh, you know? Soul man. Yeah, it's soul brutal. Man. It's, yeah. it's grating, and it's still, there's parts you laugh, and you guys shouldn't be laughing. And <laughs> yeah. you know, the, whole, the whole movie is about a hooker, actually two hookers. Yeah. A hooker, a kept boy who's probably gay, and um, a dirty slob of a no-name cat. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful movie. I love that. That's one of my favorite movies. Breakfast at Tiffany's. You got me there. It's so good. But I yeah, do have that, one question. Uh, that if we redid that movie, that we would rethink that part. Oh, <laughs> completely, completely, yeah. wholeheartedly on that. Yeah. Um, it would just be the gay flamboyant uh, neighbor because that's okay, yeah. apparently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the worst offender was single white female. I'm watching the scene and I go, that's the worst gay best friend neighbor. Of course, he gets cacked. Sorry, spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen it by now, come on. Um, <laughs> I do want to. I do want to jump back quick just to adventures, and then we'll, we'll move on. I I have to ask you this because it's bec- become an inside joke between me and one of my friends. So, Don Davis Davis Chandler, who played Bleak in the uh, the villain in the film, um, you know, who was kind of after you know the playboy that you guys uh, stole. <laughs> there's one scene where I just want to know what the guy was like, because there's this one yeah. scene where like you guys are in the, you know, you're in the, the building of the party where your, your parents are, are having that party there and you're kind of wrapping okay. the cord around his legs. And you know, they're like, Oh, do you happen to oh, know the name yes. of the caterer? And he's just like, so dramatic. He's like caterer. What? Yeah. Yeah. Caterer. What? The caterer. <laughs> and like me and my friends. Are always... What? Yeah, so I mean, he just seems like such an intense guy, and all of his lines are also very quotable. You know, like it's got all my notes for the Philadelphia order. You know, like what was he like to work with this guy? Because <laughs> he was mostly like a Western actor, wasn't he? I mean, he's perfect. He's perfect. He's very easygoing on set. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, you know, he might curse a little bit on like the props, not that he go, well, that's not goddamn right. Let's move that over there. You know, he'd just be he we kind of maintain in that kind of low growling Eastwood esque, yeah, kind of yeah, grizzly yeah. thingy. He just had such great face and crag. Oh, he face. did, man. Yeah. And he had to believe that he. You just saw we were scared of the car thief. <laughs> then you see Ron Canada sock the car thief out. So you're scared of Ron Canada. Oh. Then you see Grayson, and Grayson is the boss over Ron Canada. Okay. And you go, okay, we should be scared. Of <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. You know, we're willing to poke our eyes out and crawl out of the thing because we're probably going to get murdered. We realize yeah, yeah. the chop shop and the Philadelphia order. Yeah. And we don't want to end up like Cleveland. <laughs> right, right. Cleveland is dead. <laughs> and he has to say it's this great setup. With the Brady Bunch, you know, yeah. take the Brady Bunch upstairs. Yeah, we'll deal with them after the meeting. Um, such a great setup to cut to Brenda and have the Brady Bunch theme going on the the quarter operated TV. So many little great details. Yeah, and what was it like same to get bus back? Station oh, sorry. As uh, Midnight Run, same bus station as Midnight Run. Oh no way! One of them. I think they do a couple of bus stations in Midnight Run, but the front of it at least is is uh, in Midnight Run. And uh, what was it like to win? Uh, no, I was going to say, so, um, I mean, ha- you, the last Rhode Island Comic Con uh, was we oh. went to, and obviously it was uh, Elizabeth Shue and yes. all the, everybody had like a reunion. So uh, what was it like to see everybody all in the same 
location. I mean, have you guys kept in touch at all or? It was 35 years since all five of us. We, I'd seen Vincent. I'd seen Anthony. I'd me and Maya Bruton have been doing shows. I hadn't seen Elizabeth Shue in 35 years. Wow. She lives in New York. She's married to Guggenheim, uh, who directs like Waiting for Superman and the new, still the Michael J. Fox doc- documentary. Um, and he's a Guggenheim. Yeah. Still no chance at Chris. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we snuck up, the three kids snuck up behind Vincent and Lisa's table. By the way, first re- rehearsal. You notice it's Elizabeth Shoe with an S. Yeah. So she goes, by the way, you can just call me Lisa. We're like, we're so cool now. We could call her <laughs> Lisa. Oh my God. So close. So close. So uh, it was amazing. My wife, Pinky, Pinky, go to her Instagram and she's got it well documented. Some great photos and video of Lisa seeing us for the first time in years. And uh, it's great, great moment. Oh my god, I gotta check that out. Yeah, I was it was crazy because I I had been wanting to meet Elizabeth Shue since I was a kid because a karate kid, and obviously I think this is more the thing adventures in babysitting, but I got to remember her in, and that was like cool to get to meet her at Comic Con. So that was that was cool. And I met you a couple of years back. Actually, if you look, you can't really see it, but right there on the wall, it's the picture I took ah. with you at Comic Con. <laughs> so I was like, nice. yeah, man. So um Definitely another another movie that uh, is a favorite of mine is, you know, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which I heard was not the original title of the film. Yeah, the original title was The Real World. Yeah, which was probably a, a conflict with MTV. So <laughs> After the fact, so we'd started making the movie and the script was a yellow script cover with red lettering and the clown dog logo on it. And it said The Real World. Um. And it was focused on the secret of my success, working girl, part of the story. Probably like 70-30, office versus family. And uh, we start making it, and Warner Brothers gives notes, and they're like, let's make it like 50-50 family office. Cool. That's good for me. All right. Um, nothing cut out. There's lies on the Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead um, IMDb trivia. Lies. Lies, damn lies, statistics regarding delayed in shooting or like having to cut scenes or something because an actor wasn't present or something. And that's just not true. I don't remember a single delay or anything like that. Um, uh, There were, um, it was smooth. Nobody got hurt. Um, But midway through, after we finish all the location stuff, you you get all your day exteriors done first or else you don't have a cover set if it rains on you. So you, you have a set ready in an interior soundstage waiting, but that's just dark. And you go and you take the first two weeks, three weeks of your movie and get all your day exteriors, your night, the grunion scene, peeing off the roof, the clown dog stuff, all that stuff was shot. Um, driving around in the car and all that was shot the first couple, couple of weeks of the movie. Then you move into the house. So we're in the house, we're settled in and they've broken it down from looking okay to looking oh god awful like we have just wrecked this place and the kitchen stunk we had real food and leftovers in there and real flies buzzing around this kitchen and i'm sitting there by the craft service table and it's a month and a half into shooting and they said hey uh mtv uh called and uh (laughs) they're doing a reality show called the real world and we said what's a reality show and they said (laughs) just trust me they don't want to confuse the brand and for some reason if you look at the movie i think it's produced by 
Outlaw Pictures, which is the two grave diggers at the end. Okay. They are Brian Riley, Bobby Newmayer. They did Sex Lies and Videotape. Um, They're the ones that found the script, went through Ed O'Neill, got Christina Applegate. They offered Gus to Ed O'Neill. And um, and thankfully, because I love John Getz, I've got to work with, you know, somebody from the fly. That was awesome. Right, right. Um, And uh, they said, at the same time, they told us the conflict and MTV and everything. And remember that, I mean, my jacket, my wig get everything and I'm hot it's up in Valencia up by Magic Mountain just desert and they say we pulled 13 year old boys and the new name of your movie is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and I about hit the floor I, I was like really? Really? And the second babysitting movie? Thanks thanks a lot <laughs> and uh, the writers hated it everyone hated it we all were like whatever whatever and they actually put really good money into the release and it did well and all of a sudden, it shows up as a joke on the Tonight Show. Carson does a joke, and or Leno, whoever the hell this was, and um, you know, don't tell you know mom the uh, draft bill's dead or whatever the hell the joke was. <laughs> and the writers went, "Oh, I guess if you know the Tonight Show is they you know picked it up, then it's pop culture, and it, that's the only thing the title could have been." And right. um, it's part of the brick joke that the writers, when they handed the script to Warner Brothers. They said, you can change anything you want. Just don't change the brick joke where we kind of forget about the babysitter. And the very last line, hey, Swell, where's the babysitter? And we remember, oh, God, right, that whole plot. You know, <laughs> as long as you don't change that, you can do whatever you want. And um, the script was pretty close to uh, the like first script you get, the, like shooting draft or whatever. Usually mm-hmm. some of those features go through. Like Adventures of Babysitting, we started working on it and the end was on a bridge, and Sarah had a toy box full of plutonium that looked like the box of plutonium. She had a toy box, and then it got confused with, so they changed it to the backpack and the you know, oh Playboy gosh. and the, all that stuff. It was awful. They even did a mistake. It was uh, the backpack was supposed to be left in the Jeep with, um, uh, you know, the frat boy. Right. And um, we shot a scene. In a frat, you know, we shot a scene afterwards in Dawson Garage, and the script supervisor, we finished, and the script supervisor turns to Chris and goes, We got a problem. And we get Linda Obes, Deborah Hill, they all come over. She goes, We were supposed to have left the backpack in the car. And they're like, Fuck, what do we do? Her skate. We could say she left the skate. So they made up on the fly to cover a continuity mistake, and it wound up being a slight. That's why the skate has Sarah spelled differently than Sarah is in the credits of Adventures of Babysitting. Oh, anyway, back right. to Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Um, no changes. All the kids rose to their roles. Uh, Daniel Harris was the best angry tomboy you could imagine. <laughs> Little, you know, girly outfits with the, you know, Doc Martin steel-toed boots. Right. Walter was the sloven, you know, TV file. Um, Zach was the, you know, you're my moon bee. He's the yeah. lady killer. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Uh, and, um, you know, Kenny was just living the life, getting high with his buddies, doing jack shit. <laughs> and, uh, and Christina was growing up. And then so yeah. she turns around and she smacks us all. And, you know, we spent all our petty cash and, she, and we go, all right, let's grow up. And we all grow up. And that, that was the writers that said when they made a movie, they go, you know, all the other movies that come out, the parents leave town and everything falls to shit. Mm. Because what if we made a movie where the parents leave town and the kids get their shit together? 
and it's better than when the you know when the bomb comes back. So yeah, and apparently it's also a hit in Australia. I asked an Australian why, and they said because a lot of American movies don't talk about Australia; they don't mention them. There's like war movies that they'll leave Australian divisions out of. They were like, usually we're just not mentioned or brought up in American entertainment. And they go, when you get the name drop and don't tell mom if she's going to go fuck a sheep herder in Australia. Oh my God, they went nuts. So, <laughs> you know, I was working front gate, Universal Studios. I've always done straight jobs. I've worked 18. I got a job at a video store, point two video. I had two movies on the shelf behind me. I've never shied away from it. I've worked shipping and receiving at Disney. Currently a tour guide over at Sony Studios, still acting. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm doing Universal and I go on a break. And um, I'm front gate. Hi, welcome to Universal Studios. And I go on a break. I go to the bathroom. And I get a text from Scott Grimes. And he goes, dude, I was just coming through the gate with Russell Crowe. <laughs> and he was looking for you. And we missed you. And uh, uh, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'll, I'm about to go back, you know, after break or I'll go back. And I wanted to imagine he said that Russell Crowe was a big fan of Don't Tell <laughs> Mom. And I wanted so to imagine amazing. both running back to the gate with Russell Crowe going like, dishes are done, man. I just, <laughs> that was an image in my mind that I loved. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh my God. That's class. I love awesome. the insider stuff, man. This is amazing. This is so cool. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I'll start like first naming like Scott or Corey or Chris Young. I'll be like, oh, and Chris or Scott or Danny, Danny Nucci. Um, or, uh, you know, so many like friends, partners in crime. Um, scene partners, co-stars, uh, competitors. Remember, because yeah. not only are we working together, but then oftentimes you miss out on parts. Like uh, Toy Soldiers. Finish Toy Soldiers, come back, and I do the Encino Man director's test for Les Mayfield. And it wasn't a screen test. It wasn't an audition. But I don't know if you've seen that. Polly Shore posted it on his YouTube. Mm-hmm. Ben Stiller is the caveman. And, oh. and I'm in the Sean Astin role. And my buddy Jeff Maynard from... Uh, uh, he's also an actor, Neil Simon, touring star. He um, is Harold. It was later changed to Stony. So I get a call. Will you do $500? Will you go out and work one day and do this test? Because the studio's thinking of using this director. They want to see if he's got the chops. It's not an offer. You're not up for it. I went, sure, I'll go for it. Do it. They say it's never going to be shown. And then I hear the movie comes out, you know, and they give Sean ridiculous amount of money. Fine. I'm, you know, definitely jealous. Yeah. But I had my chance. I had my shot also. Uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, get the call. I'd worked for Bob Shea, New Line already, and Book of Love. And they go, hey, they're doing uh, three movies all in New Zealand. Yeah, it's going to take months. And like, Whoa, that's, yeah, really? What dragons and shit? No. Oh, <laughs> no. Horses and battle and armors and dwarves and. Yeah, that sounds like Robert Holmes Sr. can have fun with that. It, I, it just sounded like it was going to be really bad. Yeah. So I auditioned for Samwise Gamgee. Somewhere mm-hmm. is a tape of me kneeled over a laid out Frodo and like taking the ring from him and crying. Somewhere in, in Middle <laughs> English accent. And I go, I get the audition that goes, you know, please use Middle English accent. I'm like, what the fuck is Middle English accent? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so back to casting and acting and no acting, you don't act. Michael Caine said, never get caught acting. Um, You, you, what is it? You act realistically under pretend circumstances. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you just buy it for a second. You just believe it for a second. And um, so I'm just really grateful to have a variety of characters that I played. My family did uh, they, through TV and stuff. And my grandfather, his experience because of something really famous, like the kid or Uncle Fester, they likened it to Richie Cunningham or the Fonz. And that's an active thing happening while I'm growing up and working. You see actors like Bo and Luke Duke, who are they going to have a career after that show's over? And you go, no, in most cases, you know, um, they don't. They're too known as that one character. Right. Um, but then there's David Hasselhoff, who can go from a soap to Michael Knight to Baywatch, and nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> People just like to right. watch him on TV. Mm. Now, did you. Um what was as far as like the character of of kenny what was your inspiration for kenny like where did that come from um so it's it's two two direct inspirations and then one after the fact i realized i had done something really close to somebody else but i didn't see that movie until after i'd done don't tell mom okay um and it was uh bill and ted because I was working with um, the director of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Stephen Herrick. So mm. why would I not? That was a great shortcut in dialogue. Um, the only difference is Bill and Ted don't overtly smoke weed. Right. They're dumb. Right. Right. They're, they're stoner-esque, but you know, you see Kenny smoke weed yeah. um, and have like bad grades and like a, a wrecked room and like there's repercussions. Um, and that's why I liked about the character is he redeems, he has an arc and he cleans up and becomes a gourmet chef. What a perfect uh, character. Mm-hmm. So my family said, never get typecast. You always want to jump and do different roles. That's why I was really pissed when they called the real world. Don't tell mom. And now I'm like, Oh great. Now I'm the babysitter guy. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think it that... was originally called adult education. Okay. Under the, uh, Under the Boardwalk was originally called Wipeout. Book of Love was originally called Jack in the Box. Um, what else? Uh, Toy Soldiers Until Love, Book of Love, Cousins, Cheetah. Cheetah might have been Cheetah and Friends, but that's fine. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave Cheeto out of this. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> now, am I fair to say that um, Kenny's room is what killed Mrs. Sturrock? Yes, thank you. Absolutely. I'm sure okay. she turns around and she sees Samantha. Um, Mala, just what's her name? Uh, British. Uh, what is her name? I don't know. Debbie Gibson? No, Samantha Fox. Oh, Samantha Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think there's a shot of her with like skeleton. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. And right. the crusty thing and the Iron Maiden and but Kenny has good taste in music, by the way. <laughs> like real heavy metal, not BS. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she absolutely. You see her. She goes ah, ah, and she staggers back. And next time you see her, she's dead. So absolutely, Kenny never met her, but his room killed her. Yeah, <laughs> love that. Uh, and how, can you can you give us any insight? Because I, I gotta ask, man, like how. The uh, the dishes are done. Like scene was filmed. Like because <laughs> it's such a short it, epic scene. <laughs> we had to shoot mowing the lawn. A little like sequence of me trying to start it, and then like successfully mowing the lawn, 
And then they go, all right, get up on the roof. And we had a mock-up roof for Walter's scenes. It was about 100 feet from the house. It was under a similar tree, but they built a low one five feet off the ground so that you know um, Walter did, didn't have to be in danger. But with right. us, uh, the stoner kids, they're like, get up on the roof. <laughs> so we go up and crawl out a bedroom window and get out onto the roof. And they go, uh, you know, they, uh, in the script, it says Kenny is on the roof shooting the dishes with his friends. Yeah. So I don't know how the line came up. It could have been yelled at by the director, one of the writers. It could be a pink page or a rewrite. It could have been given to me by a friend or I wrote it. I don't know. I'm sure he, uh, the Kenny is uh, <laughs> Neil Landau's brother. Tara, Neil Landau and Tara Eisen wrote every line of the script together in the room together, role playing. And he said that Kenny was his brother. So, the, oh, the other inspiration of Bill and Ted, uh, other than Bill and Ted, was Spicoli. But I use the same <laughs> reference that um, um, Sean Penn used. So my neighbor was Fro Gardiner, and he was the guy that Sean Penn based Spicoli off of. <laughs> <laughs> so I had him next door, that's dude. Oh my, oh, my God. The He's odds. a surfer. He's like, that's yeah. why Kenny's got this kind of like surfer lilt a lot yeah. of the times. Uh, I didn't know shit from you know being a stoner. I was a straight laced kid doing a Warner Brothers movie. Um, I was just working, uh, so that was you know fun. I'm definitely pulling. And then later, after the movie came out, I was in Vegas and I caught River's Edge on Spectre Vision or whatever, and I went, "Oh, dude, I'm real close to Keanu and River's Edge." Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that character is just one of my favorites, man. It's so many lines that I just, I still make me laugh. The, what is the, the, uh, I should have been taking care of him, reading him green eggs and ham or some shit like that. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. No problem, Twisted Sister. <laughs> hated that. Hated that line. Hated that line so much. I hated that line. I told the director, I, go, I hate that line. I don't want to say the line. He goes, just say the line. Um, <laughs> just say the line. Like, you don't even take me anywhere anymore. <laughs> He'd be like, be more troglodyte. I go, I don't know what troglodyte means. And Stephen Herrick would go, caveman. And I go, got it. I go, walk all arch. I had a little touch where he's bringing a weed plant home. And his rip, his jeans, his ass is hanging out of his jeans and everything. That's all in the script. But as he goes up the stairs, I said, what if he runs out of breath halfway up the stairs? <laughs> that was so I just so good. I just like. <sighs> 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 and they went with it. I'm like, okay. I love that they let you do that. Some movies and directors do not let you add stuff at all. There's no yeah. room. There's no time. And this was nothing but find all these little moments that, uh, and they were very generous with letting me do all that stuff. I love that. I've worked with a couple of directors in, in my experience. And like when they let you be creative, I feel like this is when some of the best stuff comes out. So yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, now I, you know, you're, we've obviously been talking for a while and you're a cinephile. So I got to ask like, what, what are some of your top favorite movies, man? Like, you got Jaws, have, like Jaws. Raiders, oh, Star Wars, <laughs> actually Empire, um, Star Wars. Uh, screw it, I don't know. Inception and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, movies. Yeah, fucking movies. Lawrence yeah, of Arabia, Blade Runner, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, Kingpin. I'll I'll lowball it, man. I'll go down there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the first one you said was Jaws, man. That's like my number Jaws. one. Like Jaws, oh, my favorite it, movie. Jaws, my favorite movie. Jaws is great. 
Oh my god. They asked Ridley Scott, what is the definitive version of a movie? Is it, you know, E.T. after you scrub out the guns and put the radio in? Is it the eighth cut of Blade Runner? Is it the director's cut? And Ridley Scott said, I think the definitive cut of a director's work is the film he delivered with a certain budget at a certain deadline to put that in the theaters. That's the work. Because anybody could sit there and play with it forever. Mm-hmm. So when you could pull off something without a lot of reshoots and stuff and rewrites and like it carries from that first reading of the script and it plays movies have the longest time from that first reading of the script and writing it to rehearsing and doing casting and sets and shooting it, editing, doing the dialogue replacement, all that stuff, music. Then you finally see it with an audience and then it's released. It's so long, a year. Mm. Um, it's a miracle that any bit of timing is retained you got to have somebody go, that's funny. And if I mess with the timing on that, it'll blow the joke. And they've got to, so you got to give them that. You got to give them that timing where they go, all right, I can hold on this. That'll get a laugh. All right. That's, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I never did acting classes. I tried, I, you know, <clears throat> sampled a bunch. And tell me about your mother. I hated acting classes. I just <laughs> like to work. And I, and I, that's where I feel most comfortable, most creative is right after they say rolling. Yeah. They say action because then I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And when they say action, I somehow I know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, I got a question for you about your, your Star Wars fandom. Um, how do you what 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 is your feeling on the course that Star Wars has been on? Uh, so like from so so we had four, five and six. Right. Then we had one, two and three. And we had seven, eight, and nine. And I'm not talking about any of the TV series or anything like that, but like, where do you rank all of them? And, and there's only one right answer. Um, we but... have Rogue One. Yes. What more do you fucking want than the pinnacle of the best Star Wars ever? So anything in and around that, we have the fucking, that episode of Andor. Mm. Um, Which one? The one with the fucking um, meteors are coming and they're the, oh yes uh, yes yes people are praying and they're trying to you know basically go take go take the money rob the mm-hmm. fucking paychecks payroll that, that episode was killer that episode I went I wish I had seen this in a theater this is some of the greatest science fiction I've ever seen um so but yes Rogue you'll one. get you'll get standout stuff you know I'm watching Mandalorian now and I'm going back and catching up and um I really like. Boba Fett. Oh, and fucking Kenobi. Awesome. Uh, what oh, is so third daughter? It was one of the best new characters. Oh, third sister. Yeah, third sister. Best new characters introduced to Star Wars universe since fucking Lando Calrissian. Yes. And I didn't is. just say that because they're black. No. Um, <laughs> it it, it was so a compelling character that. that had nothing <laughs> to do with that. <laughs> and she got shit on it for being a black woman. They're yeah. like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, she really kicks ass and then they developed her backstory and uh so yeah i'm all for third, yeah, it was cool. uh, third daughter what was <laughs> third cool sister it was her though it's like they didn't like they didn't like fuck around and like make her like try to speak in a british accent or or any of that shit like she was just ah, that's how you know she's not really empire because lucas and subsequent exactly. directors have always packed a yep. cast empire with british actors yes and so since she was orphaned 
she's not truly under there, which is interesting because Ray, even though adopted by Palpatine, hmm. oh wait, no, was she force born with midichlorians like Luke was? No, like Anakin was. Was Ray force born with Palpatine's will? I think that was the implication. Is that that's she, the implication? She was another okay uh, attempt from but oftentimes the force has the opposite reaction from the thing that you're trying to do yes you think it's good and it's really bad you think it's bad it's really good or whatever mm -hmm. balance we just need some fucking balance um, um yeah no um eh, it uh star wars started falling apart halfway through return of the jedi so fuck one two three uh i liked um the comeback i liked uh force awakens that was mm -hmm. great force awakens and uh, diminishing returns on on 789 and then rogue rogue one nailed it um still there's parts that are i skipped <laughs> oh the beginning of kenobi had the best building of the world and furthering on the sand people and uh the shit jobs that uh, Kenobi had to do and what the hell was he doing while he's waiting, you know, mm -hmm. watching the kid. That was all really, really great. Anything that fleshes around that watching Boba Fett crawl out of the Sarlacc pit, all that shit. Goal oh, fan that service. Awesome. Yes. That's what we want. We sat down and we ordered, I'd like two fan service, please. Hot, <laughs> hot and ready. So, so for the, <laughs> for the first three, like for the, the prequels, um, have you ever seen the phantom edit? No, um, I haven't seen. Doesn't that scrap one basically and do a judge of two and three? Yeah, ba yeah, it basically starts with the but, fight with Maul. Well, which is we have where we have going. the John Williams music video for Duel of Fates. What more do we need <laughs> right. out of that movie? <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's it. That fucking music video kicked ass. I am a gamer. I've got Cyberpunk on right now, probably 400 hours on that. Got oh, all yeah, the PlayStation great. exclusives. I just was uh, I just finished Days Gone and did a new game plus, which is cool because I hadn't done that yet. And finished Callisto Protocol, did that new game plus. Um uh yeah, no, just I chundle through, I get bored pop in you know ghost of tsushima or uh, spider-man is or... my favorite like 100 percent. i told yeah. you about that yeah yeah You're i was going how is my playstation doing this when i was playing ghost of tsushima <laughs> um, how is it doing this have you played why is ghost of tsushima so fun have you played outcast <laughs> did they uh, remove did every bad element of a video game and just give us ghost of tsushima yes that's what they did <laughs> <laughs> every like negative like interface or thing gone it's just this effortless game i love it all right anyway go on yes i'm a gamer have you have you seen have you seen have you played uh jedi outcast no do it <laughs> do it if you're a star wars, you're, you're a star wars fan this is why i brought it up okay do it i got burned by battlegrounds to oh yeah star no, wars. oh my god i got so burned by that i never wanted to play a yeah, Star Wars IP game again. Yeah, with all, with all the stupid loot boxes and all that crap, nothing like that. This is this is a single player game built from the ground up to be a single player game. No game as a service, no uh, stupid like money grabs or anything like that. Just straight up one player game. 
great. Good, because I don't even have PlayStation Plus or anything like that. And then if the, the next game one doesn't comes let, out like uh, Death Stranding allows you to free the way it does asynchronous online play. Um, you don't need the to pay for the network or anything like that. Did you? Did that you is a that money game? ground. Death Stranding is genius. It made me a better person. I'm gonna have to play it. I, I it made me think of people more ahead of time and things that they might need or things that I could do for them and that how going out of your way for someone could really mean a lot to somebody. That's how fucking deep that game is. So that is such a... All right, so I'm, I'm going to need to play that game because I played like 10 minutes of it and I was just like, what the fuck? Is play it on story. <laughs> Don't play it on any of the hard or anything. Just play it on the easiest, easiest. You'll okay. go, what the hell? Skip. As soon as you learn how to skip dialogue and cutscenes, do it. Just just play and enjoy the playing of it. Because you can watch all the cutscenes on YouTube. They'll play it all and you'll get the story. But um it's it's part of playing. Okay, so if you're in a shooter, first person shooter. You know everything about load and sighting and, and, and every button that can kind of do different things with your weapon. What if the menu interface was also a play routine? That's all I'm going to say about Death Stranding. Okay. At one point, you start it, it. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It is, it's created by, of course, um, Hideo Kojima. Yeah. Who, you know, I can't wait for the trailer for Death Stranding 2. And I'm like, I'm in. God damn it, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Death Stranding, I played all the way through. And then I just popped that in recently and played uh, about halfway through it. Um, See, 400 hours into Cyberpunk, you've obviously yeah. seen Hideo Kojima in the game, right? Yep. Seen, uh, I, I mean, I've 100% of the damn thing. I played every ending, every character, every, you know, Every done as every every outcome you can and stuff and um you know still still go through it and uh, love it I I think cyberpunk there's more text you know you'll pick up a little chip and you'll read a little text thingy mm -hmm. there's more text in cyberpunk 2077 than there is in all of Shakespeare's works combined wow oh that's insane and they, that's a great and they tell a transhumanist story that we're here. We got chat GPT. We got Google maps. We got our phone listening to us and serving us goddamn chewable dog medicine. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a real specific <laughs> fucking ad, dude. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at you puppy. <laughs> so um, We're there. We're so there, you know, they just got to figure out how to get that phone under our skin, but um, they'll do it. Um, it's already in our heads. Uh, scary times um, man scary times no it's a video file and uh we, we saw it change my grandfather said go from silent to, to, to talkie to color tv i saw it go from film to digital first in capture now in capture and delivery because at first they would capture a couple films like apocalypto or um what's the tom cruise one with jamie fox Oh, collateral um, damage! Collateral damage. God, I just love that. The, oh, you that know that the FBI so and CIA 
use Tom Cruise's quick pull in the alley as a training fucking. Oh my uh, god! Don't tell me that. <laughs> training. Don't video. tell me that, dude. Yeah, you go, he, he covers. He covers so he doesn't get muscle flash or get a shell in his face. He does it in one motion. I don't know how. It's so fast. Um, anyway, uh, so they were shooting movies digitally before they were really distributing them at home because those were theatrical releases like Collateral Damage and Collateral. Um, so then we see with the streaming wars and everything, and, and it moved into gaming quite a while ago. Look at This Is Us and what it's done for narrative mm. and how now people can watch this 10-hour show and go, oh, that's in a video game? Really? Uh, great it tells game. that story in a video game? Well, that's DLC, but yes, it tells that story in a video game. <laughs> yeah. What a great show, <laughs> and what a great game. Uh, I, I, yeah, I love all of that content, man. The Last of Us is awesome. And I yeah, can't wait yeah. for season two. Oh, and yeah. Cyberpunk Edgerunners is one of the best animes ever done. Yes. Yep. yep. It's, it's rough, rough watch, sad, but it's... um. It's just so visually striking and beautifully done and it adds to the game and then yes. they put it back in the game. Now you can go find the chip and play first and then you can get his goddamn jacket. You can get David Gonzalez's jacket. I love it. I, love it. I, I really love how, how they like told a story that fit within that universe, but it was like completely different characters and like it wasn't like I was wa I, I was watching it because I was tied to anything from I the know. game. It was just... By being a hundred years before, by being... They have things that if a character puts a matchbook down on a fucking um, overlook and you go into the game, it's there because <laughs> there's such decay and stuff. There's there's shit that Crazy. answers Becco's back and they um it was the animated series. They all the locations exist in the game dead on. They don't take any artistic license with with Night City. Night City is, of course, one of the best characters in the game. Um. Anyway, yeah, that one is still. That's why I'm 400 hours into Cyberpunk is because of the storytelling. Mm. You catch something new every time. Yeah, and uh, and the voice actor is great. That's the one I want to meet. The voice actors usually I love to meet like you know actors and oh the cast of Alien or the cast of this. Oh, there's Dan Aykroyd. Of course, I love to meet him. Get selfies. And ask him a question. But um, Red Dead Redemption 2 and Cyberpunk are the first video games that I wanted to meet the casts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Johnny Silvermane. <laughs> and Keanu. Oh, I met Keanu. Was he cool? I went to the premiere for uh, Bill and Ted Part 2. Yep. And uh, um, Alex Winter, when he did Freaked, he named his character Ricky Coogan. It's <laughs> <Nice>. awesome. <laughs> I ask him what is that? Is that Ricky Schroeder? And and Keith Coogan, he goes, Well, it's Ricky, but it's Jackie Coogan. I was thinking of like the biggest child star. And I went, Oh, oh, oh okay, cool, cool, Alex. Cool. <laughs> I, was, I was both heartbroken, but then also confirmed, but then heartbroken at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and I auditioned for Freaks. I auditioned for the Michael Manasseri role, who's um joined at the shoulder to Megan Ward. Oh, Damn. <laughs> now what is it do you have like a favorite um do you have like a favorite moment on set i mean i'm sure you've had a ton but there's a one that really sticks out to you that was something like really great that happened dancing with lloyd bridges oh yeah getting him ready for his date uh in cousins 
Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> or uh, um, definitely shoot the dishes. I was more scared about my first day of work, which was peeing off the roof um, with my friends. We're like, go get my mom's MasterCard. We'll master the possibilities. Uh, <laughs> if we keep this up, we're going to never get out of school. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, that was my first day as Kenny. And it was like, wow. I yeah. was, don't think I was there yet. And um, it took a while. Actually, my first day was off camera. They were shooting... GW scenes and Christina has a couple of phone scenes where I'm like, what? Hey, I'm out of shrimp. Could you, you know, get some bring get some more petty cash? Um, and so I showed up at the set and they had a trailer for me and I read them off camera instead of her having to read the script supervisor. And uh uh so I had kind of put my toe in the water for Kenny, I guess, before that. But that yeah. was nerve-wracking. Um I do a swing dancing thing in book of love which was fun a lot of dancing yeah that led to me being on the oscars though when i did cousins um uh, kenny ortega was watching or his assistant was watching amla when i was promoting cousins and i did the splits on the thing and they showed the clip and he goes hey grab this kid for the young hollywood number so me and ricky lake and christian slater and um uh, cory feldman and Jolie and Trishley Fisher, Melora Hardin, Blair Underwood, Patrick Dempsey uh we all did a musical number at the oscars that's awesome. Wow. Nobody remembers it because it was the same year as Rob Lowe and Snow White. And thank God he had that awful number or else we would have <laughs> never lived it down. <laughs> I'm actually going to look that up. I don't think I've seen the number. Oh, but yeah. that's, Oscars that's... posted it. They have a nice high def version. There's another crunchy version, but Oscars posted Young Hollywood. It was, I think, 1989, 60th or 61st. I don't know. It was... Um, that's and the clips, awesome. it's introduced by Bob Hope and Lucy, and then. <laughs> right before we go on stage, they go, by the way, this is the first year we've opened up the broadcast of the Soviet bloc. What does that mean? That means a billion people are watching live and go. Oh, my God. Take it out. I do this like no pressure. split, and I get down front. <laughs> You know, proscenium and I'm front stage. And I look at there's Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep and Spielberg and you know Michael Douglas and I'm like, oh my god, I'm dying. <laughs> now, is there like a specific director that or like a dream role that you have that you that you would love to do? Oh, uh, wow! I just love any director. Like, I, I mean, he's dead, but Mike Nichols, someone who loves dialogue. Someone who loves, um, there's plenty of direct. Nora Ephron. Oh, she's dead too. Wait. Um, Nancy Myers. Hey, Nancy, what's up? How are you doing? Shonda Rhimes. She's fantastic. Shonda, yeah. Um, I like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like directors that get into the scene and know about acting or whatever mm -hmm. and know a lot of different methods so they can kind of work with everybody a little bit. Um, and because uh, I'll be, sometimes I'll be totally method. Mm -hmm. and just not come out of character and other times you know it's not really practical but <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah just a supportive director really <laughs> <laughs> oh man well keith i i is there anything that you can tell us that about that you're working on that's coming out that that you're excited about anything that you want to promote while you're we got you so excited about uh team of two by Joss Gomez, starring Joss Gomez, directed by Joss Gomez, written by Joss Gomez. 
Um, and it is a cop that is stuck in the 80s in his mind. And he goes through, he doesn't really get along with his partner. So he goes through 19 different partners. I'm one of the partners. Fun, funny scene. I think it's the funniest. He got the best reaction at the cast and crew screening. Um, <laughs> let me pat myself on the back there. There you go. I TV shot series. my part in under four hours. So the fact that anything on screen is, you know, you can laugh at it is great. All right. Um, and uh, Wrong Reasons, uh, directed by Josh Rausch, uh, starring and produced by Liv Rausch. And it is a punk rock abduction movie where they abduct like a Britney Spears starlet type of Lindsay Lohan and uh, try to clean her up. And I am a douchey um, Anderson Cooper photojournalist kind of guy. Oh, nice. And that's produced by Kevin Smith and Kevin, Kevin's in it. Harley Quinn's in it. Ralph Garman's in it. Great. The movie is fucking fantastic. Um, we're Harley not Quinn. talking what the budget was, but it looks like a couple million bucks. It's great. Harley Quinn Smith? Yep, Harley Quinn Smith. All right. Now, I is that those coming out this year or next year? What are we looking it's at? This year, they already did it. They did um, a couple of screenings and festivals, and they sold it, and they had said June, July for physical and VSOD and all that other good stuff. I can't wait because it's really great music. Punk rock soundtrack. The director went and got one good name to do it for real cheap. Wow. Like a favor deal. Yeah. And then with that one name went and hit up all these other artists and goes, dude, dude, if, if they're doing it for this, you gotta do it for this. Yeah. And then got go because soundtracks can really that soundtracks are expensive. I mean, soundtracks added a hundred grand to clerks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. Yep, for sure. Speaking of, how, how what was it like uh, filming that scene in Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Like that, <laughs> awesome. That was that fucking was awesome, hilarious, man. man, when I saw that. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, uh, you know, he's a he's an outsider filmmaker. And yeah. uh, so he's, you know, a link letter. He's uh, a um, uh, someone who learned it himself and but he told my wife, he goes, you know, before I started making movies, I watched a lot of movies. So he's got that film language and, um, you know, we'll, we'll be like, oh, is this more busted loose or stir crazy? Or, you know, I mean, like you could do a shortcut. It'd be like, it's a little more Hooper, a little less, you know, I don't know. There's a way to talk to Kevin. It'll go deep cut on the references. And I'm, I'm sure, and Tarantino, I did uh, hang out with Tarantino briefly, but. Um, oh, nice. You know, Kevin Smith is the uh, uh, he because he's a fan of movies. He'll be like, well, it has to be like that, because if you did it this way, everyone would bitch. You got to do it this way because then that'll be different. Or this is, you know, they're not expecting that or and you got it. This is, you know, this is why I started it. So it's got to end that way. And, and I like his conviction. And that he would rather oh, this is terrible. Kevin, if you're listening, I love you. He'd rather be prolific than um, uh, than do a second draft. He would mm -hmm. rather first draft. Got it. Let's go shoot. Because he's going to hire Molly Shannon. He's going to hire Fred Armisen. He's going to hire you know uh, Ralph Garman and Harley Quinn and 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 of course Jay, who great great for everybody in that movie is great. Everybody mm -hmm. was fantastic, and he mm -hmm. gets so many great cameos. So I was pleased to be a part of the. A skew universe and uh, awesome. 
had yeah, an amazing time shooting it. Yeah, that, that was fantastic, man. Um, er, yeah, everything that he's done, I've I've been a huge fan of. Um, Kevin Smith is like my my hero, man. Um, so, last question I got for you, man: Marvel or DC? Marvel. Yes. Now I the, only <laughs> the sign of relief that, that you just said. Marvel is Spider Man, and Spider Man is the greatest comic book hero. Um, you know, DC has as Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. That's great. Aquaman. Um, I love Super Friends. Growing up, don't get me wrong. Super Friends is mm-hmm. great. Wonder Twins and oh, Geek I don't and hate DC. Shit. No, no, no. DC's um like archetypal comic. Like if you think of comic books, I think that's what parents would have thought a comic book was is DC. Right. My first comics were Iron Man and Spider Man. So that is a different type of subtext and storytelling. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with Hulk. I fell in love with Fantastic Four. Um, so, yeah, uh, it really, for me, it was, um, it's got to be Stan Lee in there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to be him. I got to go to his roast at Marvelous New Year's Eve and see Brian Howard and roast Stan. And, oh, my God. Right Amazing, behind Cooley, he's got he's got his finger right behind him. He's got the excelsior. <laughs> he's got a great cameo in uh, yeah. the new Spider Verse movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's animated, so they can pop Stan in there. Here's your comic. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. It's a good. He had that mole rats appearance, which was great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. they have him in, um, one of the Marvel movies. Oh, in Captain Marvel, he's reading uh, Mall Rats on the bus, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm reading this script. Uh, it might be in this movie. We'll see. <laughs> so amazing. So I guess I'm in the Marvel universe, but I always was, because at the end of Adventures of Babysitting, you see the Marvel slug for, of course, some Marvel licensed character. Mm-hmm. The babysitter is a Marvel superhero. She's normal, regular, everyday teenager with boy problems. Great. Yep. But once she comes under, you know, till children come under her charge, she rolls a 20 for luck, dexterity, charm. <laughs> <laughs> and Thor from Adventures of Babysitting is the kingpin. Yeah. Yes. And in Jane Salabob reboot, Hemsworth is at the end. And they make jokes about like "fuck you" till I'm your Thor, <laughs> and then he goes, "Dishes are done, man." <laughs> Wait a second! You just had Hemsworth say "dishes are done, man," wrapping Thor back all the way to Adventures of Babe through "Don't tell him up." So Kevin's a genius, absolutely. Oh, dude, that's an amazing through line right there. I didn't even think about <laughs> right? that. That's crazy, dude. That's, like, that's genius. That's deep. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Uh, well, listen, Keith, I, dude, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I can't thank you enough. This has been a blast. Uh, just getting to talk with you about film, too, has been awesome. Um, I, beef. I'd be, Watch I, beef. beef. Beef is, do you have Netflix? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm two episodes in. It's <laughs> hey, you, fucking oh, incredible. What the fuck are you doing? We <laughs> fucking sat down and we got an episode or two in and we're like, we're ride or die all the way to the end. Oh yeah, absolutely. We sat down and ordered a pizza, whatever. We fucking watched that shit 
to the end. I'm a beef, wuss, man. It's I had all to get about up and beef. Go to work it just the gets next better day. and better. Beef is great. I'm gonna <laughs> watch that. Great. Start watching that tonight. Beef man. is like one of the best things ever made. Yes, and it doesn't Holy really shit. feel like the right content or the format for it because they're shorter. They're like thirty-five minute episodes, but it feels like it should be an hour, like drama. There's intensity it feels like an to hour's it, but worth then, of content. but in a the comedy, there's you know Isaac is probably one of the best characters. His presence on screen is amazing. Um, yeah, that is beef was like really thrilled me. I haven't been that thrilled in like a new tone since Freeway with Reese Witherspoon right. and, and, and Dude, Kiefer. I was just telling somebody this today. And I feel so validated to have Keith Coogan on the show right now saying the exact <laughs> words that I've said. Who kicks off freeway. Lily Taylor in a fucking tour de force five minute scene where they're trying to take the kid away from her child protective services. And you go, well, first of all, Lily Taylor's great in everything she does. But you go, there's no way all these other actors, Reese and you know, Kiefer, there's no way everyone's going to be able to keep that tone throughout the movie. And Freeway manages to surprise you and surprise you. And I love Freeway too, Tales of a Trick Baby. I'm going to have to watch this now, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely. got a great Vincent Gallo oh, yeah. uh, bit in it. And uh, it's a much less enjoyable movie to watch. But if you go through Freeway, you got to go through Freeway too. And, and Beef, uh, A24. Beef. Again, as, it's funny. We had watched an episode or two and we were like really into it. And then we let the credits like the credits came on. Whatever it's, it, it did the logo again. And my wife goes, of course, fucking a 24. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like those people <laughs> of course. are insanely good. I go, is it really, really well directed and shot and written and acted? Yeah. Yeah. It's a 24. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. And I re- awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized Ali Wong opened for me. Stand up. I did a virgin sacrifice where my first time standing doing stand up, I had Brian Callum, Ali Wong did a set before me. Crazy. <laughs> oh, Crazy. shit. She's so fucking good in beef. Oh, oh she's great, man. She's great. Oh, dude, I got to watch this now. You guys are talking about I'm talking it up show. now. <laughs> it was a show on Prime. I forget the name of it. Uh, and I know I should know the name of it because it was a comic book. Um, that I read and I love by Brian K. Vaughn. Um, I just forget the name of it. But anyway, about uh, four girls that travel through time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love time travel shit. And it was a great show. And she made that show and they canceled it. And I was like, fuck. But like, that was the first time that I was like, wow, Ali Wong, like, she's fucking got it. <laughs> she's She's great. And then I saw she had a, she had this thing coming out, and I was like, oh, I gotta watch it. And when I did, fucking forget it. It's a wrap. <laughs> I'm, I'm a yeah. fan. I am a yep. fan. Beef is the shit. What else did we watch? I don't know. Um, I can't think of anything out, outside of beef. Nope. Because it just wiped. I was like, oh yeah, everything else is crap. <laughs> All about beef. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, Keith, once again, man, thanks for coming on. Um, I'd be, I'd regret if I didn't ask you to do it once. Can you do the dishes are done, man? For me, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I'm at a funeral in Utah. It's fine. It's fine because I was at a funeral, and you know, friends of friends or whatever were there. And, and in, in the Mormon churches, they have uh, underneath the church is like a rec room, and they do like the whatever um, food down there. 
in a little like family, you know, gathering. So we're downstairs and uh, one like cousin of a cousin comes over and uh, I married into this family. So I don't know who this is. He comes over close and he's probably about 24. And he kind of just leans over close to me and it's real. Everyone's bereaved. And he goes, did you just say it once? <laughs> he leans back <laughs> at a funeral. So uh, thanks for the interview. Uh, Tony. And uh, wait. Oh, shit. See, I told you I forget names. Yeah. And um, Cooley. Um, huh? So Tony and Cooley. But yeah. And Cooley. Cooley. Tony and Cooley. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, and I really appreciate it. I guess there's really only one thing left to say. Dishes are done, man. Yes. <laughs> My voice is shot. Uh, oh, perfect. This is perfect, man. Thank you so much, Keith. Uh, you're the man. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely uh, talk to you soon, man. Yeah, KeithCooganOnline.com. 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 People, check it out. Sir. <laughs> All right, Keith. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out this episode, and we truly appreciate your support. If you are listening to this episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate it to help us share these conversations with others who may enjoy it. If you're watching the show on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe and click that notification bell so you can be notified as soon as we drop new and exciting content. Thank you so much again for joining and be sure to tell your friends, just make sure you don't call us Anthony.